You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer with you. George, it's Titans week. Always, always a big game around town, especially now when you're looking at so far the start for both of these teams. This one also started right off the bat. For me, this feels like the biggest Colts-Titans game since 2018, week 17, when that was basically a playoff game in Nashville. Winner gets in, obviously the Colts did win that game to go to the playoffs. How about yourself? Where does this rank in terms of buildup for this big week four game for you? Yeah, I think it's a huge game. I think it's two desperate teams in a lot of ways, right? I mean, I think Jacksonville's kind of put a scare into this division. At least they're going to be a factor. They may not be the favorite or the front runner all year, but I think they're letting everybody know they're going to be a factor in this race. Uh, and now, you know, the loser of this game really puts themselves in a hole. I mean, Tennessee would be one and three. The Colts would be one, two, and one. Uh, I think it's two desperate teams. And when that happens in the NFL, it usually makes for some very entertaining football. Oh, absolutely. That it does. And we'll get into that matchup here in a second. But I want to at least start this pod, George, by kind of talking about the Colts here for a second, because we've talked a lot about, right, these first three weeks, some of the good we've seen, some of the bad we've seen, frankly, some of the ugly that we've seen so far through the first three weeks. Now that we are, you know, three games into the season, going to week number four, I feel like this is the game for the Colts that will really kind of determine their season and what kind of team they are because you have enough time now to kind of knock off the rust. You have enough time to wear new guys like Matt Ryan and Yannick Ngakwe and some of the receivers as well behind Michael Pittman Jr. have had enough time to get acclimated and kind of you know feel comfortable in the offense. Whereas now you're going to this game, I think this is the, the Colts team we see in week four on Sunday. I think it's a team that we're going to see for the most part of the season. Either I hope it's going to be the kind of a build off of the fourth quarter from the Chiefs game, but if we kind of see the same themes from weeks one to three, you know, bad offense, bad blocking, untimely, you know, getting off the field on third downs, kind of the same sloppiness and frustrations we've seen for the first three weeks. I think at this point, Georgia, it's that's who the Colts are. I think this is kind of a, a measuring stick game here in week number four to kind of truly see who the Colts are. How about yourself? I agree. I mean, a lot in the old days uh, before the 17 game schedule, everybody talked about quarters. You know, you take the game in four, you take season in four game chunks and you Mm want to win each of those quarters. So I think it's a big game right there for that, because if you win this, you win the first quarter. If you lose it, you lose the first quarter. Uh, But I also think you're right. You've had now enough time. The end of that first quarter, you should be rounding into the team that you're going to be unless there's injuries or other things that are taking place but that's not been the case with this team that most of the guys aside from one notable omission who we'll talk about (laughs) later uh most of the guys who you expect to be on the field have been on the field they just haven't been performing at the level that you you want them to be at so to me the biggest thing to happen this week was frank reich saying they figured out what's wrong with the protection and it's going to be better you know he was unequivocal about that which is for him that that's going out online. You know, he doesn't, he's always positive, but he very rarely says it's going to be fixed this week. And he really stopped just short of, of kind of guaranteeing that they were going to look like they're supposed to look uh, up front. And to me, that look, that's where it all begins and ends, right? That's what we've right. been talking about for three weeks. If that line and, and everybody else is involved in the pass protection plays better on Sunday and protects Matt Ryan, the offense will be better. And I think everybody will feel better about this football team. Right. We've talked at nauseum, right, so far the first three weeks, the, the poor offensive line play and really how the this team this year is going to go as far as the offensive line takes them, which going into the year, you think, okay, that's that's pretty far. But so far through the first weeks, it's been the complete opposite to where you're like, that's – I'm glad Frank Reich's been talking about that because, George, it's like this is the week. Like this is, this is the week where we have to – like it's enough talking. It's either they play well and, okay, things are fixed, or they don't play well and either, you know, the miscommunication issues will never get fixed. The play, it's like the players have regressed or you got to make a change. Like this has to be the line in the sand where you talk, you talk, you talk, it's going to get fixed. This has to be the week. This has to be the game against the Titans in division where things actually get fixed or now, you know, not heads will roll per se, but decisions and moves have to be made because there's no more now grace period and there's no more kind of 
oh, you know, they still need a little bit more time to get ready. It's enough. It's week four. You should be ready to go. Like you said, you should be rounding into form of what kind of team you're actually going to be this year. It's put up or shut up time. I mean, I think it's 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 pretty much that that simple. The talk is done. You know, you it's got to be on the field now. You're either going to go out there and you're going to be the team that you think you can be, the team that played in the fourth quarter against Kansas City, or you're going to continue to be this inconsistent team. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last the rest of the year, but it does mean it's going to linger too long, and it's probably going to bleed into to things where it seriously hurts th- this team's goals this season. And, you know, it, this is the week. This is the time to do it. And, look, the Titans are the team, right? I think for a long time the Patriots were the game that you circled. That was, you know, th- that was going to be – who represented yes. the AFC in the Super Bowl for a while there, uh, and and it was everything. And I think over the last five six years, it, that's kind of twisted over to the Titans. I mean, they've they've run this division. Uh, they're the closest team in terms of like physical distance in the division. Uh, there's just a lot of things that make this rivalry a little bit different than any other game they play. And I think since at least since Frank Reich's been the head coach here and Mike Vrabel's been the head coach there. There's been this healthy tension between the two teams. Uh, and I think this is the game. Look, they've won the last three. You've got to go out there. You weren't able to end the week one streak. You weren't able to end the streak in, in Jacksonville. This is the week to do it. Absolutely. This is the weekend. And talking about a rivalry here for a second, too. I mean, it also helps when your owner, Jim Irsay, is you talk about not being shy, George. He has been very out front and open about how much he loves beating the Titans how much it is very important to him to beat this Tennessee team. And to your point, how much the Colts have struggled in beating the Titans. They've lost three in a row, like I mentioned. They've lost four last five games after owning the Titans for over a decade. Um, and now, like I said, this has been a true rivalry per se and a measuring stick game for the Colts. Like I mentioned, it used to be the Patriots. Now it is the Titans. Speaking of the Titans, obviously it's going to start with Derrick Henry. This is a guy who, you know, averages over 122 rushing yards per game against the Colts. Um, really, you know, in his career so far, Ryan Tannehill, since he's taken over as a starting quarterback, 10 touchdowns to four picks um, since taking over in 2019 from Marcus Moda against the Colts. Both have played pretty well so far against the Colts. That's been in two areas that really killed them. George, Derek Henry's off to a slower start in his career. He's averaging the least uh, yards per carry of his entire career so far through the season, 3.6 yards per carry, which is kind of crazy. So a guy like Derek Henry, is this game in your mind going to come down to stopping Derek Henry again? Or is it another area where you kind of look at that will be the key to this big Colts Titans game? I think it always does, right? I mean, I know AJ Brown for years really just was a nightmare matchup for this team, but even then a lot of that was set up by what Derek Henry was doing uh, Brown would just kind of be the closer. He'd be the guy that make the big play and and, and break it open. Uh, but they've they've got to stop Derrick Henry. And and so far, the Colts have been very good at that. I mean, one thing they've been consistent in so far this year is is stopping the run. Now you can say the the caliber of running backs they face is very different than it was uh, than just it is a little Derrick Henry. Uh, although Clyde Edwards Alaire came in with some pretty good numbers, and he sure. left with a zero. He left with a goose egg, which is. Pretty impressive. Uh, Grover Stewart has been a huge part of that. I think he's going to be a big part of the game plan again on Sunday. I saw somebody, Zach Hicks, on Twitter today uh, called him the guard butcher. I kind of like that. I think that I think that might Ooh, be a good nickname like for him. Uh, you know, he's just been destroying people up front. He's been destroying plays up front. But what's interesting with Henry is it's a different beast. Uh, first of all, he's one of the best running backs in, in the NFL. Everybody knows this about him. But as big as he is and as strong as he is and as fast as he is, they don't always use him as the sledgehammer that you think they might. They like to get him outside the tackles. They'll match him up on the smaller defensive backs, get him out there in space and let him make plays. So, yes, your guys up front have to be strong. you got to have a big game from DeForest Buckner. you got to have the guard butcher out there doing his thing. <laughs> but you got to get those guys on the edge. I mean, it's just as important. Kenny Moore, Stephon Gilmore, Brandon Faison, Isaiah Rogers, the safeties, they've got to get in there. And, and get physical because those are the runs that Derrick Henry breaks for 70, 80 yards. You're 100% right. It's a good point, George. Right, because you think you're seeing the, the side of Derrick Henry, oh, yeah, just stop, clog at the middle and you'll be good to go. You're right. Once he gets outside and, and now also suddenly a 5'11 defensive back trying to tackle Derrick Henry, we've seen too many viral videos of him shoving them to the ground and then be off to the races for a 20, 25, 30-yard gain. And it's over. You're right. And even, too, Bobby O'Karake, Zaire Franklin, like, you have to go sideline to sideline to, like you said, prevent and almost contain 
that outside edge to make sure he's not breaking free and getting, you know, a free shot on a small defensive back to kind of break a big run. Um, I'm with you to the original point. Like, it, it, even though so far Derek Henry has really struggled, and I think part of it's the offensive line and the injuries they've sustained, this team and this this game is always going to come down to Derek Henry's effectors. Can you slow him down or not? And what I really thought that was really interesting, uh, George, kind of looking back at the numbers, you go back to last year. So the entirety of the 2021 season and so far the first three games of 2022, you look at, because I would at least have thought, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill specifically, is a lot better when Derrick Henry gets going and that, you know, the run game does predicate the pass game because that's how the Titans run an offense. But you look at Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating, when Derrick Henry's run for 100 yards or more, again, either last year or this year combined, Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating is 90.4. When he's been held to under 100 yards, and remember, he missed eight games last year, so that, I'm including that also in here, Ryan Tannehill's quarterback rating is 89. So it almost goes to show you that Ryan Tannehill is the same quarterback, 90 QBR versus 89 QBR, whether Derrick Henry is over 100 yards or under 100 yards. He's kind of the same guy, and you're going to get the same thing. So that's even almost more important to where, okay, you could pencil in Ryan Tannehill as come a known commodity, two touchdowns, maybe one pick. He's played pretty well against the Colts. But if you stop Derrick Henry and force then Ryan Tannehill to be the guy and win the game with his arm, more times than not, you're going to be out ahead of that, and you're going to win the game. So to your point, it almost underscores even more you have to slow down Derrick Henry. You have to feast on what is right now banged up off its line and win the line of scrimmage on the defensive side. And I think on Sunday, the very best unit on this football team was the defensive line. And I think they Agreed. need that again, again this week. You know, that kind of effort that they had getting after Patrick Mahomes, shutting down the run, if they can do that again on Sunday, contain Ryan Tannehill the same way, because he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he has hurt the Colts a lot getting outside the pocket and making things happen with his feet. And that's going to be another key in this game. You know, they, they really kept Mahomes from doing that. Uh, he has a different style, obviously. When he gets outside the pocket, he's still looking downfield. But they were able to keep him from getting those big plays. They need to do the same thing to Tannehill this week. Uh, and then they need to just – that defensive front has to do what it did and control the line of scrimmage and, and win up front. If they do that on Sunday, I think they have a really good chance to win. You're right, and this team is, is predicated to – they can get pressure with four, whether it's pass pressure like last week or really this week kind of clogging those run lanes. They're going to have, you know, like I say, they're going to be in business for sure defensively. There's one of the best run teams so far through three weeks in the NFL for the Colts. And one of the biggest boosts this Colts defense can receive, especially trying to slow down Derrick Henry, is obviously the return of number 53, Shaquille Leonard. Same thing so far this week, George. He's practicing just like each of the previous three weeks so far. We right now, as we record this on Thursday, are not sure of his game status. Um, he definitely, at least speaking of the meet on Thursday, put it out there um, that if he was healthy and ready to play, he would be out there. He's not, you know, holding himself back or not, you know, healthy enough to play, but just kind of trying to take it easy. He has made it well known, George. If he's healthy to go, he will play. We don't know how healthy he is for Sunday. Obviously, it's going to be a huge boost if he can play, but at least maybe I'm wrong. You tell me, was anyone really questioning Shaquille Leonard's toughness or was there really doubts about whether he truly was healthy enough to play in any of these three weeks so far? I think, you know, you look you look deep enough on Twitter, you'll find anything, right? I mean, it, it doesn't matter. that Somebody's questioning everything somewhere out there. And I think Shaquille's one of those guys that looks for that stuff. You know, it fuels him. He's, he's been very open about that. He reads everything. Uh, he finds every slight. Ask Aaron Rodgers. You know, he, he congratulated Fred Warner after a game. and it somehow got back to Shaq and, and, you know, he brought it up to Rogers on the field. So, uh, you know, he, he's that kind of guy. I, I think it's funny to me because I have had some questions on Twitter about it. And I, look, if, if you're questioning, first of all, I don't question the commitment or the, the pain threshold for any player in the NFL, because I can tell you right now, I'm not lasting a snap in this league. <laughs> uh, and I think it's, it's amazing. Some of the things that, that these guys come back from, you know, from play to play, let alone from week to week. Uh, but even within that group where you're talking about guys that are super tough and, and super durable, Shaq Leonard to me is a 53rd guy on this roster that I would question his commitment to this team or to this game or his level, of, you know, handling pain. He played pretty much his first three, four years in this league with an ankle injury, you know, if he could be out there, he he would be out there. One of the things he said today that I think was really striking was that right now he feels like this team's better with Zaire Franklin because of where he's at physically. 
And it would be selfish of him to go out there and take that spot. He's going to hurt the football team. If you are a better team with a healthy Zaire Franklin, then it takes a big man to stand up and admit that in my mind. Um, and he wants to make sure that when he's back, he's back. He doesn't want to be dealing with this all year again. He doesn't want to be in and out. And, you know, he doesn't want to be one of these guys that's playing 10 or 15 snaps when he's on the field, he wants to play and give it hundred percent. So when, whenever he's activated, if it's Sunday, if it's three weeks from now, you're going to know he's going to play every snap. It's not going to be, you know, working back in and, and let that happen. He's going to get that done in practice. But I also think it's, it's easy to forget he had back surgery. We're not talking about all injuries in the NFL are tough, but we're talking about something really specific here. And you got to be really careful with that. You know, there's a lot of nerve situations going on. There's a lot of other things kind of beneath whatever the, the, the big issue was that you got to make sure all that's there. And, and he said, when he first got back on the field, he was really stiff. He didn't feel like himself. It's gotten better every week. It's gotten better this week. But he's not going to go back out there until – and the team has said it as well. They're watching tape of him last year. They're watching tape of him now. And he's not going to be back out there until that matches, until he looks like himself. And I don't know why anybody, uh, maybe other than opposing teams, would <laughs> would have any other perspective on this than that. I mean, you want him back there. Obviously, they're missing him. I mean, the big plays – the splash plays, the sacks, the interceptions, the forced fumbles that he brings are are the biggest thing missing from this defense right now. There's no question that they, that they miss him. But you want him out there at 100%, and you want to make sure that he's able to play 10 more years after this or however long his career is, that it's not this season and it's taking years off the end of his career. I think he's doing the right thing. I think he'll be out there the very millisecond that he can be. Uh, and I, I just think it's incredibly silly to, to question this guy's commitment or his, you know, desire to play the game of football. George, I could not agree more. Like you said, he has mentioned before how he basically has played his entire NFL career so, career so far with some sort of injury, not 100%. And this surgery, in theory, was supposed to get him the healthiest he's been in his NFL career. And like you said, you don't want to rush back a week or two too early and kind of screw that entire timeline up. Not to mention, you mentioned back surgery. Like that is, you can make the argument like the, the back is the most finicky injury and body part when it comes to a professional athlete of almost any injury. I mean, look, this is just me personally. I've had a, you know, my lower back is, is basically shot. And it's like even the other week. I, I sneezed, George, wrong. I threw my lower back and like for the next three days, I could barely walk. So it's like it, it just gets triggered by the smallest things and you almost feel like paralyzed. You can't walk, you can't bend over. So obviously you want to take it slow and make sure he's 100%. And like you mentioned too, he hasn't done anything all offseason. Like literally nothing. The last time he put cleats on before the first practice leading into week one of game week was week 18 in Jacksonville. So you spent, what is that, eight months, eight and a half months doing literally nothing football related, basically rehabbing, trying to figure out the injury, and then needing a second surgery because the rehab so far is not going as planned. And then, like you said, the first week he's sore. Yeah, obviously he's going to be sore. Like, why would anyone else think he's practicing? Oh, he's going to be good to go for the Texans week one, or maybe he'll return a week or two when he's done literally nothing. These guys train all year round, 24-7 to be in tip-top shape for week one. And you think a guy who has been just rehabbing and been unable to really do a lot of off-season work for eight months is going to come back and after a week or two of practice, going to be ready to go. And like I said, play at a high enough level where it's not just on the field, but he's not a liability. And I'm glad you brought up the Zaire Franklin point of him saying he's not better than Zaire Franklin right now. You know how big of a man you have to be to admit that? Like, it takes a lot of self-awareness and just, like, almost confidence yourself to say, right now where my level of play is, I am not the best guy for this position. Like, a lot of us in our jobs, if we have someone replacing us and we want to get back, usually it's like, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just rush back. I'm okay. A lot of the doctors, it takes, it takes a big man. To admit, you know what? Right now, even though I'm dying to be out there, I'm not good enough to give this team a winning chance. I respect the hell out of that. And like you said, there should be no one questioning his toughness or his actual health of if he's available to play. Because like you said, this is the guy that he lives, breathes, and eats football. If he was actually able to play, he'd be out there, no questions asked. 
Yeah, and if he thought he was the best option for this team, he'd be out there, no no questions asked. He'd fight through whatever it was. Uh, but, you know, like you said, I, to, to have that kind of self-awareness and understand, and Zaire Franklin's played good football. You know, yes. give some credit to Zaire Franklin. He's out there, and, and he's doing the job. It's a tough assignment for him. He's not Shaquille Leonard. There's a reason Shaquille Leonard's a three-time All-Pro. You don't just kind of find those guys right. anywhere. But he's doing his job, and he's doing it at, at a level that right now that even Shaq says is probably better than at least through the first three weeks, Shaq could have done it. And that, to me, is that's being a team guy. That That's putting the team first. That's not being selfish and, and not, you know, yeah, he could go out there and hurt the team, but what good is that? Who's that helping? Especially for a game of this magnitude, George, you're right. You can't, like, because that's the thing, too. The same people criticizing Shaq Leonard for – quote unquote, not being tough enough. I get it's a very small, you know, vocal minority, but then if he's a step slow or getting run over by, De- uh, by, you know, Derek Henry or can't cover a tight end getting beat, same people are going to be criticizing him. What's he doing on the field? Why is he not look hundred percent? It, it's one of those where it's like you fight the, the small people that just are unrealistic on, on Twitter and social media that just their perspectives are just so wonky that you don't win. You know, it, it's one of those you lose no matter what situations, but you're right. There's absolutely should be no questioning. If he can return this weekend, be I mean, can't even obviously state how big of a, a boost that'd be for this Colts defense, especially when it comes to slowing down Derrick Henry. Much needed, fingers crossed, he's out there. But like I said, there's no reason uh, to absolutely question uh, his toughness and his want to to be on the field for sure. A lot of questions, George, on the other side of the ball for the Colts have been on the offense, offensive line, especially we've we've talked a lot about right now. Uh, their issues, Frank Reich, like you mentioned before, the miscommunications he says will be cleaned up this week specifically. This is a very interesting and a good test for the Colts because you look at this Titans team so far through three weeks. They have been very, very leaky against the run. They've been one of the worst teams in the NFL this year so far through three games at slowing down the run. They're allowing the most explosive runs, which are 12 or more yards. Uh, They're allowing that at the highest rate in the NFL at 13%. uh, That is via true media. So easy to basically layman's terms. This defense has been very leak when it comes to the run. Jonathan Taylor's really not had a lot of success against the Titans, only averaging 48 yards per game in, in his three games he's played. This should be a game, George, on paper, where the Colts' run game should, if everything is clicking, should be able to take off. That's uh, It looks that way. You know, if, if everything goes the way it did through the first three weeks, this should be the week that they can get things going. And if they don't, it's going to be a really big red flag. I think that's one of the things like you were talking about before. You're going to find out a lot about this football team right now. Uh this run defense has struggled for Tennessee. Uh, and, and I think longest run of the year so far for Jonathan Taylor is 21 yards, which for him is, is not really impressive. Um, you know, where, where he's been at, uh, it's not his kind of standard in, in, in what we we've seen him to be. Uh, and certainly the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been the guy he wants to be specifically against the chiefs when he only got three yards per carry, which is he's a five yards per carry guy. That's what he's been in his right. entire career. Uh, and I think this is if, if you don't get back around there again on Sunday, that's going to be a big red flag. The other side of that is Tennessee's really good at disguising what they do in the pass pressures. You know, they, they have really good pressures. They do a really good job of, of kind of hiding who's coming. That's been a big problem for the Colts all year. So I think both of those ends, it's a really good test. Can you take advantage of what's been a struggling run defense? and become that that kind of bully that, that you envision yourself to be on offense? And can you solve some pass protection problems against a team that can cause difficulties in that regard. It's a big week for the offensive line all the way around. It's a great litmus test. Like I said, that has to be, that's going to be the position where we're, you know, we'll make or break this game for sure. They should have a lot of success against, like I said, a banged up uh, Titan second or defense, excuse me, no Harold Landry, you know, they're their premier, you know, pass rusher on the outside. He's out for the season, unfortunately, for a torn ACL. Jeffrey Simmons has been, a, uh, you know, a man possessed. He's been a great defensive tackle. That's going to, you know, be a great test, whether it's for Danny Pinter, whether it's for Ryan Kelly, whether it's for Braden Smith. Like, this is, like you said, this is going to be the game where we are going to truly kind of see who this Colts team is. On the midweek pod, we asked what their identity of the Colts is. We will know the identity of this team coming out uh, of this game on Sunday afternoon, whether it's something to feel good about, or it's one of those where it's, you know what? Not too much. I look at the draft boards there, George. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of crazy. It's like in week four, but. Well, and it, it's week four, but it's week three in the division. And I think that's yeah, another big part about true. this. We talked about it all offseason long. You're playing so many division games. This year, third division game, you don't have a win in the division yet. If you go 0-2-1 in the division, 
it's going to be hard to win a tiebreaker the rest of the way. I mean, I don't know how the season's going to play out, but you better be one game better than than whoever's on top of that board because you start off 0-2-1 against your division foes, it's, it doesn't end well for you more often than not. And this is also, I think, a big game for Matt Ryan because you look now, it's – there's a lot of similarities with this Colts and this Titans offense. Obviously, they're led by their premier running back. But it's like you look to, okay, the Titans trade away A.J. Brown in the offseason. Their receiving core is basically Traylon Burks. They brought in Robert Woods and then, you know, uh, Nicholas Westbrook-Akina. Like, not a lot of guys that are really kind of household names or big threats. The Colts, I mean, you look, it's Michael Pittman Jr. and then really no one else. Both offenses, especially the skill positions, are kind of similar. And if you're Matt Ryan... Yeah, I'm sorry. You can't get out dueled by, by Ryan Tannehill, especially in your own house. You work with similar weapons. If you cannot play better than Ryan Tannehill, I thought the Colts are the best quarterback in the division going to this year. I have to seriously reevaluate it. If we're sitting here coming out of uh, of Sunday evening, and it's another game where, Ryan, uh, where Matt Ryan struggles, and the other quarterback is the better quarterback in the game. Yeah, you know, I think we've seen Matt Ryan do some things in the fourth quarter that are kind mm-hmm. of showing what, what can happen. You need to see it in the first three now. You know, he's got to have – he's got to put together 60 minutes. Uh, a good opening drive would be huge for this team. That hasn't happened cool. yet this year. You know, I'm not even necessarily – points would be really huge, but just a good opening drive that ends with a kick would Getting be a two really downs. good thing. You know, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it, it's been really ugly out of the gate, and I think just getting started fast would be really big for this team. Uh, but I, I want to see the fourth quarter, Matt Ryan, in the first, second, and third quarters. That's what I want to see on Sunday. I'm with you. Right. Play a full game, and that's the offensive line. That's Matt Ryan. The defense has done that for at least last week for sure. He played a full 60 minutes. Um, but I like that. That's a good point, George. Start fast because this Colts team, that's the opposite of what they've done so far through the first three games is get off to a fast start. All right. Behind enemy lines does uh, return this week. Blaine Bishop. Former Titans defensive back. He will go behind him. Kind of give us the skinny so far on this revamped Titans team through three weeks. Is this still the Titans division in his mind to lose? And we'll also get his thoughts on Derrick Henry's struggle so far. We'll talk to Blaine Bishop in the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Does return. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Colts fans, time to go behind enemy lines with a Titans legend, Blaine Bishop, four-time pro bowler. Now does a great job covering the team on 104.5 The Zone out there in Nashville. And also a Ball State legend, George and Blaine, two Ball State Cardinals. So we are Ball Stated out here in the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show here, Blaine. Oh, man, this is this is rare. I mean, when you get two Ball State legends on the same call, I mean, I don't think that'll ever happen again. Unless it's us two again. <laughs> That's very true. Between us, we have one Super Bowl appearance. It's, it's huge. Ball State all the way, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's all I got. We, we, we're a little short there, man. I, I blame you for us coming up short. <laughs> I, I'll take the blame. It's on me. <laughs> George will start carrying the weight for sure now going forward for the Ball State Legends out there. Speaking of Legends, Blaine, obviously you you have one on your team in the Titans there and Derrick Henry. But interesting so far, at least to the first three games, it's been a struggle. 3.6 yards per carry, which is by far the lowest of his career What's been the issue so far in terms of not kind of getting Derrick Henry going so far the first three games of the year? Wow, man, uh, there's so much to go into that. But if we want to just make it simple, I just think uh, guys aren't executing. The offensive line uh, is not playing up to snuff. Uh, they have uh, two two new guys, uh, you know, that's replacing other guys, and they're not lived up to the bill. And then Lawan is now, I uh, don't know the extent of the injury, but all I know is he's out for the season. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that's been most of it. Henry usually starts off slow, but it's hard to tell. You know, everybody's you know speculating that it's his, you know, his foot. He's not all the way back. But th- this past week against the Raiders, he showed some burst and speed. He looked like the old Henry finally got to see him because he was getting tackled as soon as he got the ball. His his yards per carry after contact is more than actually the yards he has. Seems like, or you know, based off his carry. So. Yeah, it's, it's really the offensive line, um, you know, but, you know, Tannehill is, I think, has played solid uh, when you one and two. It's kind of hard to say he's playing really good, but he's played solid. Uh, you know, naturally, everybody played porous against the Bills, uh, which is a dominating team right now and probably one of the best teams in the league. So I think it's more so execution by the offensive line. And I'm wondering if that's always an issue with uh, all the teams that are run dominant teams, a la like the Colts, because of how they go about the preseason, uh, you know, and you bringing that physicality and not doing a lot of contact as much as you would in a regular season game. Uh, it's always kind of interesting because 
the Titans have kind of been this way, you know, the last three years. And I, I don't know if it's that reason or not, but when you want to be a physical dominant run team, you must be that at all times, even in preseason. So I'm interested to see if they, they play more in the preseason. I don't know if that's the answer, but that's just kind of from afar looking in. That's kind of how I look. I don't know how much the, the Colts offensive linemen played in the preseason and they're a run dominant, you know, team as well to a certain extent. Yeah, they, they played probably about a quarter, a quarter and a half, I think. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't that, that kind of long stretch that, that you'd like to see with with that offensive line. Uh, one thing you talk about, you know, with Derrick Henry's slow starts, you, you kind of see that with Tennessee. They, they've been kind of the same boat the Colts have been the last couple of years. It takes them a little mm-hmm. while to get going, get into the season. Because of that, is there a level of confidence right now? What I guess what's the temperature in Nashville? You know, how worried are people about, about this one and two start? Well, the fan base is really nervous, and they're they're pointing their fingers, I would say, more so to the offensive coordinator. Me, per se, I am not doing that in that I think he's calling. I'm, I'm expecting what he did last season. So my expectations are that he's doing a, a, a decent job. Uh, they're, they're balanced. Last week they were 27 and 27, 27 runs, 27 passes. Uh, they've been very efficient. Uh, so to me, my expectations are he's doing exactly what he's always done and uh, maybe even a little bit better. Now, could you critique a call here or there? Naturally, I'm sure he's doing the same thing. I'm really looking more so at the defense because the defense was supposed to be carrying this team, especially early on. They've not been effective against the run. I think they're ranked 31st or somewhere there at the bottom. And they're giving up explosive plays in the secondary like three a game. Yeah. So in my eyes, and then they've been outscored 57 to seven and they want to point to the offense. Well, the defense is part of that. They gave up 57 points. Now seven is not good either in the fourth quarter or second half. Uh, so I think all around, there's a lot of blame to go around, but uh, I would say the defense more so uh, than the offense to me is not, you know, they're, they're giving up hard hundred yard rushers and, people having long runs and big explosive pass plays every game like it's nothing. So I, I would look more so there for me personally than the offensive coordinator, but he's an easy target, uh, you know, and uh, they didn't like him last year. So they're naturally going to go there. Let's talk about the defense blame for a second. Cause you just mentioned a stat that through three games is mind blowing. The Titans have been outscoring the second half alone, 57 to seven. Like you mentioned, a lot of that is on the defense. Specifically, what's going on with the defense right now? Is it just the secondary is not very good? They're not getting after the pass? You mentioned they can't stop the run like it's a combination. What have you seen the first three games, especially in the second halves, that has really this defense just crumbling so far? Well, if we want to start, uh, let's go against the Giants. It was gap integrity uh, with uh, Barkley having, I, I think he might have had two or three long runs. And when I say long, 60 <laughs> or more. I mean, so – uh, that that's where you start gap integrity. A lot of guys uh, trying to make the play, playing hard, uh, but not doing their responsibilities first and then playing hard. Number two is they're not getting pressure on the quarterback with their front four because for whatever reason, Harold Landry being out for the season, tearing his ACL the week before the season in a kind of a half practice. Uh, they have moved all kind of guys around. Now Archery's not the same player because he's now playing outside and not inside. Uh, then you got some journeyman guys in the rotation and, and every now everybody's just, you know, double and triple team and big Jeff, Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons. So I think that starts there up front. Uh, they, they must control the tempo. And so it'd be a great test against this uh, offensive line of the Colts. And then in the secondary, uh, they're just not having discipline with eyes. Uh, and sometimes they just getting beat really. Uh, but in case of Fulton, who I would say is the, you know, one of their better, if not the best corner they have. Uh, his was, he got beat deep because he's looking in the backfield and thinking that the guy's not going to throw to him. Meanwhile, the, the receivers are running right by him. I'm like, well, what are you doing? You got beat third. You, you're supposed to have the guy. Don't look in the backfield. He's not throwing to you. And you don't hope that he's not throwing to your guy. I mean, so it was just little fundamental things defensively. And then the linebackers play, man, I, <laughs> I, I like uh, both of them, uh, Long and uh, Cunningham, but they have not played very well. Not at all for me. Not enough. Uh, so they, they haven't played well at all. All around, see, so I'm going to every layer of the defense. We're on offense. All I can really say is the offensive line. And if you're a run-dominant team, then that's going to affect everything. 
The receivers have done what they've done in the past. Even Burks, I mean, they don't have the home run guy with A.J. Brown gone, of course. But now you don't know who to expect a big game from, whether it's the tight ends or the wide receivers. You know, uh, Tree Woods, I mean, uh, Robert Woods uh, had a big day. Before that, he hadn't done much of anything. He hadn't even targeted very much. Uh, so I think that's kind of how Vrabel likes it, where everybody's equal and the quarterback takes wherever the coverage takes him. That's where he throws the football. And then Henry got into the passing game with some screens, some dump downs and, uh, you know, got a lot of yardage that way as well. I think it was, you know, 58 or 60 yards or so uh, receiving and, you know, 80 something rushing. So he impacted the game for the first time in a big way, uh, receiving and, and uh, running the football. So. I think they're going to have to do a lot more than that to uh, beat the Colts, especially with the way their defense is playing based off what I've seen on tape and then when I'm watching them. Uh, so, and I, 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 be honest, I think they got lucky to win that Chiefs game. Chiefs made a lot of mistakes. Man, I mean, miss field goal, fake field goal, drop punt. I mean, they, I mean, I was like, dang, they just trying <laughs> to end this game away. So, you know, the Colts defense, though, looks really, really, really good. That it does. They're playing really well up front, uh, but the Colts offensive line is having a lot of the same troubles that, yeah. that Tennessee's having. As a defensive player yourself for years in the league, when you watch tape and you see free rushers the way the Colts have have allowed them, what are you thinking during the week when, when you come into that game? Well, first of all, I'm thinking, okay, if they don't correct this, we're going to run this and we're going to make sure that they corrected this. You know, and that's communication. Uh, with the offensive line and, and uh, you know, running backs, part of the passing protection and, and the quarterback. So let's not, you know, uh, forget that. So I think those are all things that are all correctable. Now, when guys are getting beat one-on-one, -on -one, now that's a different story. And I, I would think everybody would think with the highest paid offensive line in the league that they're not living up to the billing, at least as of right now. So you never know. All it takes is one game uh, to get back to, you know, get into a rhythm and a flow. And Matty Ice, I don't know what people are talking about, about, oh, he's lost it, he's old. Every time he gets protection, I see him throwing strikes. So, and the Titans haven't been getting no pressure. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, they could, they could talk all they want to. I'm why, I, 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 now, when he gets pressure, now he's, he's a different guy. Yeah. But when he gets back there and he lets the ball go on that fifth step, third step, that and you can have him covered. He's still putting them in nice spots. So uh, I see Matty I still being the same guy that I thought he was. Uh, so yeah, you, everybody needs protection, especially when you're not, you know, super mobile uh, like you know, like him. So yeah, yeah so I, I don't know if the Titans are gonna come up with some pressure packages or, or what, but that their secondary is not playing well. So I, man, I don't know if that's a good idea either. Speaking of quarterbacks, there, Blaine Ryan Tannehill's one that's been. Who's played pretty well so far in his career against the Colts. What do you expect from him on Sunday? Uh, you know, I, I kind of – I like Tanny here. I like what he brings to the table. You know, the the offense is a little more conservative for me, but mm -hmm. I think Tannehill is, has a strong arm. He's mobile. Uh, he's precise. Uh, he may not be the guy like, you know, Matty Ice and all these elite guys, but he's right in the pack of the middle where you can win with him if you have elite players around him. And I, I think, you know, like, you know, all the fans wanted somebody new after the, the Bengals game in the playoffs, right? And I go, well, who are you going to get better? Like, really? Who is better? Oh, we can go talk now. If you want to go get Tom Brady, oh, okay. But, I mean, that's not going to happen. So, I'm like, I, I don't see anybody better at this point in time in his career. Uh, did he have a bad game? Yeah. And then he's had some bad games. But more than not, he has played really solid. So I, I like what he brings to the table. We got to remember what we had before, where Marcus Mariota would look great one game, and then the next game you'd be like, "Man, did did he even study the playbook or the team?" So inconsistency, you know, throughout his career, uh, some highlights and some lowlights. But I think Tannehill kind of stays even keel throughout the whole time, and sometimes he presses and tries to make something out of nothing. But that's not his game. I mean. They really, uh, yeah, I hope they keep surrounding them with some playmaking, and I'm hoping that they protect them. Uh, so I, I think Tannehill has played really solid to this point. The Titans really should be 2-1. and one. They're not, but uh, it's hard to say he's playing great or anything like that when, you know, you wanted to. But I, I don't like I, I like everything that I've seen so far, and he's actually come out like he was two years ago when he was really, really solid throughout the whole season. So he looks like that right now. 
And last one for me here, Blaine. Uh, when you look at this Tennessee team, I do feel like they're better than their record shows. I think the Colts kind of feel the same way. Mm-hmm. This is the first division game, though, for the Titans. They've been the bullies of this division for the last couple of years. They've really dominated in, in division games. How important is Sunday from a Tennessee perspective? Oh, it's very important. I mean, this this game counts as two. And, uh, you know, coming into the season, everybody's talking about the Colts and the Titans. Uh, I beg to differ. I think it's a four-team race. And I think everybody's seeing that. And I, I told everybody that the Jaguars were a really good team based off what I saw them in preseason. I said, hey, man, I don't know what happened. It's just coaching. But naturally, they were drafting all the, you know, all these high picks. And now it's, now with the right coach, right system, right scheme, all of a sudden now they look, you know, some signings in a free agent. They look really good. So I, I think it's going to be that type of season. And then everybody's saying, oh, the division is weak. No, what it is, is it's the old school division. It's old school where they run the football, they play physical, and all these other teams, AFC West, think they're, oh, they're better, they're pie flying, throw the ball around the yard. When they play these teams, they go slow it down, and next thing you know, oop, the AFC South doing pretty well against the AFC West. So I think the conference is better than people expect. It's just because it's not the modern-day throw it around the yard type teams and it's not flashy. So I, this game is super important. I know from the uh, coach perspective with their owner and how he, you know, he's measuring against the, the Titans the last two years and he doesn't like it. Well, man, welcome to the Titans world. Cause before that luck and paid man, we had no shot. So, you know, Hey, it's about time. It was our turn. So I think right now, both teams are really even, I would say that the Colts, are probably an all-around better team because their defense is playing better. The, the Titans' offense is just average. The Titans' defense is not playing very well. So to me, that says that doesn't mean that you know the you know the Colts have a better team, but that doesn't mean they're going to win. Uh, so it's about who plays the best on that day and doesn't you know have commit silly and bad turnovers, really. And that, that's kind of what Vrabel's deal is, man. He, he, we can play conservative and punt, 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 punt. But as long as you're not turning that ball over, whether it's fumbles or, you know, quarterback fumble or interceptions, he feels like he can be in every game and have a chance of winning. So uh, that's, the Titans got to stop that. And the penalties have been outrageous. I, I don't know if it's because the beginning of the season, but, man, they, they're averaging like 10 penalties a game or so. And so Vrabel, uh, you know, his head may explode his next game if that happens against the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, Blaine, listen, if it happens another week, I wouldn't be sad to see a dad. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fix it in week five. That's a correctable week five issue for sure. This is going to be a tough, man. I, I can't wait, man. I mean, oh. do you do you guys feel like the owner has put the team and the coaching staff kind of in a corner with, with this pressure to they got to win this game? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's been very vocal about where he feels on this rivalry. And I think Matt Ryan said he made it very clear uh, to everybody in that locker room where what the expectations are and, and where they stand. Uh, I said one last one, but I wonder because something you said, does this division right now, does the AFC South remind you a little bit of the AFC Central when you play in Pittsburgh and Baltimore and, and, and the way that Jacksonville back then and, and the way that division went? Exactly what I was thinking. That was early in my career. Uh, so, man, you know, it was – Every game was really physical. Steelers, the Browns. I mean, you, you name. I mean, man, it was, it was a tough division. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's what they look like today. Now, that may change as the season goes along, or even after this year to the next year with uh, the development of some of the young quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, I, that's where they are. And, and when when that works in the playoffs, and you know, to get to the Super Bowl, uh, that's the recipe. Those finesse teams that throw it around usually and making get one playoff win but typically doesn't work like that you got to have some balance in there uh, with running pass and controlling the clock to a certain extent and you got to have not great defenses but some solid defensive play and uh, don't have any real big holes where people can exploit you or teams can exploit your your offense or defense so yeah i think that's kind of the recipe in today's nfl so yeah and then, you know, another thing I think Vrabel really relies on, man, it made me just think about this, you know, all the smaller linebackers, which the coach don't really have, but, you know, because all the passing, well, that's why he feels like you got Henry in a big back and then they're not, you know, you, you know, you, he's going to move, he's going to at least get three yards every time he's running just because, you know, you got all these, you know, pass covering linebackers to a certain extent. Right. And especially when you get a spread formation or you get into three wides and one tight end, 
you got to take one of the guys out. So that's kind of been his MO really since he's been here. And it, it's, it's worked because he's actually doing the opposite of what the league is trending to do. Right, zigging when everyone else is zagging, kind of going the mm-hmm. passing direction for sure. Let's finish with this, Blaine. The Titans have had the Colts number recently. Four of the last five have gone to Tennessee. So can finish this sentence for me then, please. The Colts win on Sunday if? Ooh. Uh, well, naturally, it's easy to just go say if Taylor gets 120 or plus. <laughs> I think then again, I, I, I feel like the Titans won't win. They, they can't let people keep rushing the ball like this, man. Yeah, that's a recipe for design. You don't win games in this in this league. Uh, you know, the first game they let them, uh, I think, Giants rush for 230-something yards. What? Yeah. <laughs> you would never yeah. win any game because once they can run the ball, they can pass the ball. That's a good point. That's a good point. Blaine, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for coming behind enemy lines, and I appreciate you bringing a second Ball State legend to the pod. We need more, <laughs> and you brought that to us. So thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. And as always, chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> <laughs> All right, George, appreciate Titans legend Blaine Bishop. And off, of course, I can't leave. I'd be remiss if I have to say Ball State's legend Blaine Bishop here for joining us for a few minutes. Kind of go behind Emmy Lions, get the Titans, uh, his perspective on the Titans. So look at this game, George. We've talked a lot about how this is going to be a measuring stick game for the Colts. This is really kind of a, a, a fork on the road to say where their season's going to go, either kind of head towards a positive or really go to a dark place that we did not anticipate uh, about a month ago for sure. Look at this game. It's interesting. Vegas has the Colts favored by three and a half points at home. You usually get about three points being the home team. So Vegas is kind of telling this is almost an even game for sure. Prediction-wise, George, we are so far one and two on the season. I've got the Texans pick wrong. We got the Chiefs pick wrong. We both spot on with the Jaguars so far. Where are you going for this game? I'm going to go with the Colts. Uh, it's going to be, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic here. I'm going to take Frank Reich at his word that they're going to they're going to figure out this pass protection problems, that it was a communication problem, that they found it, they diagnosed it, and they fixed it. I think if that happens, I think you're going to see Jonathan Taylor have a big game. I think you're going to have Matt Ryan with his best game as a Colt. I think that should be enough to put him over the top against a Tennessee team that I think is better than their 1-2 and two record. I think the Titans are going to come in here feeling a lot like the Colts with, with something to prove a chip on their shoulder, trying to get back into it. The biggest difference between these two teams coming in, the Colts have already a loss and a tie in the division. This is game one in the AFC South for Tennessee. So for them, this is a fresh start. The Colts need to be the bullies up front. They need to win that game physically in the trenches. I think they will, and I think they'll come out, I'm going to say 23-20. to I like it. I like it. I'm with you, by the way. This is going to have to be a, a game where you win in the trenches because that's basically, when we talk about the Titans winning four last five, that's where they won the game. They've been the bullies. You've heard Frank Reich say, you heard Jim Mercer say, the Titans have been the bullies for the Colts the last really three or four years. I'm also going with the Colts. So we actually, in terms of agreement, four for four so far in terms of we both were on the Colts being the Texans, wrong. Both on the Jaguars being the Colts, right. Both on the Chiefs last week being the Colts, wrong. And now we are both on the Colts. I'm going to say 27-21. I think it's a physical game. I still think the offense... Is still, you know, a work in progress. I don't think they're going to all of a sudden, out of the blue, kind of turn around and put up 35 points. But 27 points would be a season high for them so far. They're the lowest scoring offense in the, in the NFL. So it's not like, you know, we're trying to really go from, you know, the, the bottom to the top here in one week. But to your point, I think they do figure out miscommunication issues. This is a Titans defense that is susceptible to big plays. You watched last week against the Raiders. The Raiders came back in the game in large part, big passing plays through the air, big pass or big running plays on the ground. They've been leaky in both of those areas. And this should be a game where they're just the Colts are an overall better team. They lose A.J. Brown from your offense. You lose Harold Landry from your defense for an injury. You have Derrick Henry right now playing the worst football of his career. I think in large part because the offensive line is in shambles. You don't have Taylor Lewan out there. This Colts offensive line we talked about last week played really well against the Chiefs. You should play even better this week against the Titans. If they're able to do that, which I think they, sh- they should and they will, Colts win this game. Again, it's a division game. These are two tough teams. The Colts are not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. So they're going to be some sort of blowout. It's not going to be, I think, a dominant performance or one that's kind of in the books early. I think 27-21, kind of low scoring, um, back and forth tight game. I, I'm with you. I think the Colts do put this out, move to 2-1-1 one, and one in the year, and start to at least have Colts fans all over, start to feel good about this team and actually feel good. Like last week, I think you feel good, but it's like, okay, one game, can we see it again? I think now you could duplicate it going to Denver. 
we feel a lot better about this team going to Denver than I think we would have even two weeks ago. Yeah, you know, and I think they need to prove they can beat this team. They just haven't done it. We talked about it, you know, at the opening show a lot here. They have not won this game, especially here at home. I think that one win in the stretch was down in Nashville, uh, which is, you know, it's crazy. So they've got to prove that they can come into their house, defend it against this Tennessee team. They haven't done it in three or four years. Um, It's a must win. I'm going to say that. It's a must win. I'm with must win, too, because the margin for error in general for this season got out the window with the first two games when you tie it and when you lose to the Jaguars and the Texans. But also, too, I mean, you're going to Tennessee in a few weeks. Not an easy place to play. You know, they won in 2018. They won in 2020. But still, it's not been a place the Colts, you know, have consistently won. Even when they were beating the, the Titans back in the day, still always one of those close games. There's never kind of you go in there and just stop them out. So you're right. You gave yourself no margin of error. You go into Tennessee in a few short weeks. You got to win this game. Must win absolutely, George, especially coming off of the win last week. You you put yourself in a situation where you cannot lose and squander any sort of goodwill and momentum you got from last week by just blowing this game at home this week. You have to yep. win. Absolutely have teams, to win. Of all yes. the teams on the schedule, this is the one they have to prove they can beat. I hate the Titans, George. Like you, <laughs> you mentioned before that the Patriots are always that team and the team you circle every year. That's the team you got to beat. The last five years, for me, it's been the Titans. I I have always underestimated. That's it's my fault. You know, it's no one else's my fault. I always underestimate the Titans. I always think the Colts are going to beat the Titans. And as we mentioned, the last few years, it's not gone that way. God, they're very well coached. They're physical. Their style of play is just infuriating. Like, so I just want to go out there and just tackle Derek and just tackle him. Go go low. Hopefully the Colts go low this week, wrap up Derrick Henry, and uh, come out <laughs> with a victory and move to 2-1-1 one, and one on the season. Should be a raucous, a raucous atmosphere at Lucas Oil Stadium on uh, Sunday. Looking forward to that. George, you will be there. Make sure to follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. Follow me on Twitter between now and the game on Sunday at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Very exciting, George. A Blue Horseshoe podcast first. We will be going live after the game on Sunday. It's just about an hour or so, whether you're at the game and you're on your way home or whether you're watching the game on your couch, we will give you a live instant reaction on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook to uh, the Blue Horseshoe Pot. So you can forget about listening to it later on Sunday night or early Monday morning. We'll go live after the game to hopefully react and get some of your thoughts as well. It's interactive. You could join in and comment and give your thoughts on what is the Colts win. But either way, win or lose, George, this is a big enough game where we got to go live. We got to get the people what they want right away. Absolutely. It's a huge game. I mean, every every week's big in the NFL. There's no such thing as a, as a little game in this league. But this one is it's right up there. It's as big as regular season games get. Absolutely. Should be a lot of fun. So we'll see you on Sunday again, live after the game. Check us out. We'll be putting it out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and YouTube as well. The Blue Horseshoe Pod live after Sunday. Between now and then, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you after the game on Sunday.